This is KMTT and this is Ezra Bick and today is Shiva Asar B'Tamuz 17th day of Tamuz, Thursday Today is a Yom Tzom A fast day And according to the Minhag of Ashkenazim We begin the morning period For of the three weeks before Tisha B'Av Begin today the most important ramification Most important expression of Avilut in these days is binyan shel simcha v'kinush shel simcha. We don't get together in uh, gatherings of simcha having to do with rejoicing. So there are no weddings. You don't make parties during during this period. That's minhag uh, Ashkenaz al pi hadin, the strict letter of the of the law. If we, according to what the Gemara says, this would begin only from Rosh Chodesh Av in a few more days, but it has been expanded. To Shiva Sabbath Tanos. Today's show in Pashat Shavu will be given by Yael Ziegler, and afterwards I'll be back with the Medrash Yomi, the Medrash of the day. At the beginning of Parshat Pinchas, immediately following the conclusion of the events of last week's Parsha, um, the second command comes from Hashem to Moshe and to Elazar to count Am Yisrael. I say the second command because, of course, this is the second counting that we have in the book of Bamidbar. The first counting, of course, is the very beginning, is the second pasuk of Sefer Bamidbar. And, of course, it begins almost with the same words, Se'u et rosh kol adat b'nei Yisrael mishpachotam levet avotam b'mispar shemot kol zachar legugalotam. I was reading Bamidbar, Perak Aleph, Pasuk Bet, the second Pasuk in Sefer Bamidbar, where God gives the command to Moshe to count the people. And we have a very similar command in Perak Kavav, Pasuk Bet, which is the beginning of our Parsha. Se'u et rosh kol adat b'nei Yisrael miben esrim shana v'amala levet avotam kol yotzei tzava b'Yisrael. Once again, the command to Moshe and to Elazar, the son of Aaron, to count Am Yisrael from the age of 20 and up. This command then is followed by a very, very long parak, a parak of 65 psukim, in which, in fact, Moshe carries out Moshe carries out this command to count the people of Am Yisrael. Um, now, this event is not just a uh, 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 simply an event that happens in Sefer Bimidvar. Um It seems to have far more importance than simply the command to count the people because this event becomes the basis for Chazal's name for Sefer Bimidvar. As is well known, we call Sefer Bimidvar Sefer Bimidvar because it's one of the first words of the Sefer. Ve'idabar Hashem Amosheh Bimidbar Sinai. The same is true for Breshit, for Shmot, for Ve'ikra, for Dvarim. The colloquial titles, the colloquial names that we use to refer to these books are not necessarily substantive names, uh, whereas Chazal refer to the books using names that they um, that they have named the books in order to reflect what they see is as the essence of the substance of the book. And in fact, they don't call Bereshit Sefer Bereshit, they call it Sefer Hayashar. Uh, they don't call Sefer Shemot Sefer Shemot, they call it Sefer Hagi'ulah. And in fact, while Sefer B'midbar actually is a little bit misleading, because it seems to actually reflect the substance of the book, which does in fact take place in the Midbar, um, it, it in fact is not the name that Chazal used to refer to the fourth book of the Torah. Rather, they call it Chumash HaPekudim, 
or the Book of Counting, which becomes in English uh, based on the Greek name, the Book of Numbers. The Book of Numbers actually is not exactly correct either. It's the Book of Counting. This is the book, which Chazal say, is the book where God gives two commands to count Am Yisrael. Um, the name that Chazal gives to the book suggests that this event of counting Am Yisrael is an important a central and even perhaps a defining event for the book so that there's something about the counting which reflects the inner substance of the book how we're supposed to understand the nature of this fourth book its major message its major goal and of course it is indeed the first event in the book right this is the second pasuk and we read it uh, just a few a few minutes ago um, now a lot of the mafarshim discuss the the purpose of the counting and of course there's the famous rashi which is based on the midrash in bemidbar raba it's the first rashi of sefer bemidbar where rashi says mitochibatan lefanav mone otam kol sha'a because of hashem's great love for Am Yisrael, he counts them at every opportunity, and that's why we have these two countings. Now, of course, Rashi then goes on to note all of the different places in Tanakh where Hashem counts Am Yisrael, um, taking away perhaps the unique contribution or the unique um, uh, importance of the counting in Sefer B'midbar. As Rashi doesn't account for the question of why Sefer B'midbar is called Chumash HaPakudim, if in Sefer Shemot, God also is counting Am Yisrael. In other words, Rashi gives a rather general reason for um, these countings of Am Yisrael and Sefer B'midbar, which doesn't necessarily reflect any sort of unique s- substantive um, idea of the counting in Sefer B'midbar. Um, the Rashbam offers a little bit of a different approach, perhaps one would call it a more practical approach uh, to the reason for the counting, certainly in the first chapter of Sefer B'midbar, one that relates uniquely to the idea, to the events of Sefer B'midbar. The Rashbam in Pasuk Bet, in Perak Aleph, in the first chapter in Pasuk Bet, the Rashbam says, on, uh, commenting on the words, Su'u et rosh kol adat b'nei Yisrael, uh, count all the people of Am Yisrael, l'fishem me'atat shrichim ללכת לארץ ישראל. ובני עשרים ראויים לצאת בצבא המלחמה. So he says, from now on, from this point forward, they're on their way to Eretz Israel, and from the age of 20 and up, they are suitable for joining the war effort. And since our next obvious uh, challenge is to conquer the land of Israel, so therefore, we, for military purposes, it is now appropriate to count the people, to organize them militarily. And of course, this, in fact, seems to be very close to the shot, very close to the actual idea of the psukim, what's going on here. In fact, in Pasuk Gimel, in the very first parak of Sefer B'midbar, it says, Miben esrim shana v'mala kol yotze tzava b'Yisrael tifkedu otam l'tzivotam ata v'aharon. From the age of 20 and upwards, everybody who is going out to war in Am Yisrael, you should count him according to his um, according to his tzivotam, which of course reminds us of the word tzava, um, you and Aaron should count them. So the, the, the counting does certainly seem to have 
a military purpose. And this would uh, this would certainly make sense because they are on their way to Eretz Israel. And in fact, this seems to be the larger theme of Sefer B'midbar. Sefer B'midbar is about uh, the movement of Am Yisrael from uh, from Midbar Sinai to Eretz Israel, and the preparation for that movement forward. Um, this would also, I think, certainly explain to us the second counting as well. The second counting we have in our parsha, in Parshat Pinchas, in Perak Kavav, and here, of course, we're talking about an entirely new generation. Now, this generation um, is the second generation of the people who came out of Mitzrayim, because the first generation was deemed at some point unsuitable for entry into the land of Israel, and so they all died out in the Midbar, and we have some sort of uh, 38-year hiatus period between the beginning of Bamidbar and the final section of Bamidbar while we wait for everybody to die out. And now we are waiting for the second generation to go into Eretz Israel so that the final sukim, really from Perak Kaf, the final prakim, the final chapters of Sefer Bamidbar, from chapter 20, until the very end, until chapter 36, until Paraklam Vav, are the, the chapters which deal with the entrance of the second generation, or the preparation for the entrance of the second generation into the land of Israel. And so, in fact, we would say that they need a, secret, a, sep, a, a second counting. They need to count the people a second time because it's a new generation. And obviously a new generation means that there are new numbers and a new type of organization is required in order to properly enable this new generation to organize themselves for battle. However, what's interesting and what's important to note is that the second counting seems to be actually very different or to have one major important difference than the first counting. Um, in fact, this difference is noted in Perkavav by the Chizkuni. Um, in Perakavav Pasuk Bet, here on the words, Seu et Rosh Koladat Bnei Israel mi Ben Esrim Shanava Mala Levet Avotam, commenting on the purpose of this counting, the Chizkuni says something very interesting. He says, Kide Lachlok Lahem et Haaretz, Kidichtiv, Laela Techalek Haaretz. He says, the purpose of this counting is in order to divide the land properly. In other words, to figure out which tribes uh, need a larger portion and which tribe needs a smaller portion. And in fact, this does seem to be indicated by the psukim, because at the very end of the counting, after Pasuk Nun Aleph, after the words Elep Kudei Bnei Yisrael Sheishmeot Elef Vaalef Shivamot Ushloshim, after the pasuk tells us the total tally of this second generation, God speaks again to Moshe and says La Ela Techal Techaleka Aretz Benachala 
bimispar shemot larav tar benachlato, etc., etc. These are the people that you have to give a nachla to, and the reason you need to know the number of their names is that you have to give the larger uh, uh, tribes a larger portion and the smaller tribes a smaller portion. Now, the Chizkuni notes that this is the purpose of the counting, despite the fact that the end of the Pasuk that he is commenting on, Perak Kavav Pasuk Bet, also uses the words Kol Yotzei Tzava Israel. Also says you should count the people all the people who are going out to war. In other words, it certainly is true that the people who are being counted now are also going to go to war. They are also being counted for purposes of war. But the Chizkuni wants to make clear at the very outset that that is not the purpose of this counting. We are not counting the people in Perikavav in order to organize themselves for war, but rather we're counting the people in order to organize themselves for Nechalat Haaretz, for the proper apportioning of the land for the inheritance of this land. And this actually um, seems to be, in fact, the case uh, throughout the description of the counting. So, for example, if you look back at the counting in Bimidbar, Perak Aleph, what you're going to see is the recurring theme, the recurring phrase, which appears in every single description of every single counting, of every single Shevet, are the words, Kol Yotzei Tzava. It's in Perak Aleph Pasuk Kaf. It's in verse 20. Kol Yotzei Tzava. Verse 22. Kol Yotzei Tzava. Verse 24. Kol Yotzei Tzava. 26. Kol Yotzei Tzava. Kol Yotzei Tzava. Kol Yotzei Tzava. It appears here um, numerous times. And it clearly overshadows the, the 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 counting here. In other words, the, the purpose of the counting in the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar cannot be lost on any uh, reader, even who is just reading Perak Aleph in a cursory manner. The purpose of Perak Aleph is to count for war. A case is something which is actually notably missing from Perak Kavav, from our Parsha, from this counting of the second generation. It's true that we begin the counting in Pasuk Bet with the words, Kol Yisrael, but that phrase actually doesn't appear again. And interestingly, um, the Chizkuni notes this and says, well, that's because this counting is not primarily a military counting. It's not primarily for purposes of military organization. It's primarily for purpose of Yerusha. Now, this point actually is made in another way as well. In fact, the counting in both both at the beginning of Sefer B'midbar and here towards the end of Sefer B'midbar, both generations' countings um, uh, have a separate counting for the Levim. In other words, the Levim are not counted within the counting of B'nai Israel, And that point, I think, is made very clear, um, uh, certainly in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Memchet, uh, the very beginning of Sefer B'mi Barbi, Daber Hashem El Moshe Lemor, Ach et Matel Levi Lo Tifkod, 
ואת ראשם לא תישא בתוך בני ישראל. מטה לוי cannot be counted within בני ישראל. And the reason that's given is obvious. The next פסוק, ואתה הפקד את הלווים על משכן העדות ועל כל כליו, ועל כל אשר לא. Because the לוויים need to be counted to do their job. And their job, of course, is service in the משכן. They don't go out to war. So if we're counting the people at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, for the purpose of organization, of, of organizing themselves into... Uh, Um, uh, for the war effort, so then it, it's entirely clear why we would not count Shevet Levi as part of this um, process. And in fact, when we do count Shevet Levi, um, in fact, it's made very clear that the purpose of counting Shevet Levi is for the purpose of service in the Mishkan. What is it that we're organizing the Levi'im for, for a different kind of Avodat Hashem. And actually, interestingly enough, in Perak Dalid, Pasuk Gimel, when we uh, recall the counting, it says, Miben shloshim shana vamala, ve'ad ben chamishim shana, the Levi'im are counted from the age of 30 until the age of 50, kol balatzava, all who come to the army in order to do service to do their work in the Ohel Moed in other words even the work of the Levim is, is also referred to as Kol Habala Tzava in other words they have what is colloquially known today as the army of Hashem right so we have this is a very ancient idea not simply a Chabad idea but rather we have this idea that Um, 11 of the tribes go out to war um, uh, or the, all the tribes except for the tribe of Levi go out to war um, to do Kibush Haaretz and Shevet Levi their war effort takes place in the Mishkan. So they are counted separately because, of course, in Perak Aleph, if we have accounting that is for the organization of um, the military effort, so then obviously we're not going to count the Levim with everybody else. Um, now, that is not true in Perak Kavav. In other words, it is true that the Levim are counted separately. But the reason that they're counted separately actually is quite different than the reason that is given in the original counting, in the counting of the first generation. And in fact, if you look at the end of Parakathav, in Pasuk Nun Zayin, the Eleph Kudei Halevil Mishpachotam. Now we're going to count the Levi'im. And in fact, we're told explicitly why they are not counted with the rest of the people in Pasuk Samach Bet, in verse 62. Vayuf Kudehem Shlosha Ve'esrim Eleph. כל זכר מבין חודש ומעלה, כי לא התפקדו בתוך בני ישראל, because they were not counted amongst עם ישראל, כי לא ניתן להם נחלה בתוך בני ישראל, because they didn't get a נחלה in Eretz Israel with the rest of עם ישראל. So once again, this fits into the previous idea, that, the idea that we noted previously, which is that the difference between the counting in Um, but the first generation and in the second generation is that the counting of the first generation is for military purposes. Therefore, of course, we don't count Shevet Levi, whereas the counting in the second generation is for the purpose of Nachalah. And once again, we don't count Shevet Levi, but for a totally different reason, and that is because the Levim do not receive a portion in Eretz Israel. In fact... 
this difference between the two countings reflects a larger pattern or a larger difference between the first generation and the second generation. In fact, it should be noted that the first generation, um, or certainly the first ten chapters of Sefer B'midbar um, are really intended to bring that first generation into Eretz Yisrael, as we noted previously, which means that the first ten chapters devote themselves to preparation for entrance into Eretz Yisrael. Now, this obviously doesn't work out for all sorts of various and sundry reasons, which are found in um, chapters 11 through 14 of Sefer B'midbar. And there's all the sins, the Chet Hamit Onanim, the sin of Kivor Hatava, and ultimately, of course, also the sin of the spies, right? That's the culmination of the series of sins that disqualify Am Yisrael from entering Eretz Yisrael in this first generation. However, the, uh, the final section of Sefer B'midbar, from chapter 20 through chapter 36, also deal with preparation for entrance into the land of Israel, just obviously with a different generation. One would imagine, and I think one would imagine correctly, that these two sections, the first section and the last section of Sefer B'midbar, should have certain overlapping themes, overlapping topics, overlapping ideas. After all, they both deal with preparation for entrance into Eretz Yisrael. However, there should also be major differences, because the first generation was disqualified from entrance, the second generation is able to enter, which implies that there is a substantive and very important difference between them. Perhaps if we examine the difference, the differences between these two sections, we can really emerge with the reason that Am Yisrael is able to enter Eretz Yisrael in the second generation. What is it that qualifies this second generation and that disqualify the first generation? Well, actually, I think we've really begun to offer this uh, reason simply by examining the differences between the two countings. If the first generation is entirely almost focused on military preparation, the second generation is focused on preparation for Nahala, on preparation for inhabiting the land, for settling the land, for planting the land, for building the land. In other words, there are two things that we are actually required to do. There are two mitzvot that we are required to do upon entrance to the land. One is kibush haaretz, one is the conquest of the land, and the other is nachalat haaretz, the settling of the land, the dividing of the land into its requisite parts. Each shevet, each tribe gets its own part, and he has to go and settle that part. Now, um, this difference, this different focus, I think, is reflected in many similar things that happen, many similar events in the first section and the third section. So we've already mentioned the counting. We have a counting in preparation for entrance into the land, but it's a counting with a very different focus, a very different perspective. Um, another example might be the listing of the Nisim, the listing of the Nisim, the listing of the leaders um, who are going to lead them into the land in B'midbar Perak Aleph seems to be within a military context and in fact these leaders seem to also or seem to be chosen to have a military role this is a fact that is hinted to by the Ibn Ezra on um, Pasuk Tetzayin in verse 16 I'm not going to read it for you right now but if you want you can look it up he seems to imply that the leaders that are chosen the Nisi'im that are chosen 
are chosen in order to be the colonels, the generals, the, the ones who are in charge of the war effort. Even if this is not explicitly noted, it certainly appears within the context of the military goal. Uh, in uh, in the, the at the end of Sefer B'midbar, once again we have a listing of Nesim. Once again we have a listing of leaders, and that appears in Parak Lamed Dalid in chapter 34 in Pasuk Tetzayin. Vayidaber Hashem El Moshe Lemar. Hashem tells Moshe. These are the lists of the men who are going to help you in order to uh, settle the land. The Nachala, Nasiachad, Nasiachad Mimate, Tikhulin Chol Etaaretz. The Eilashmota Anashim. These are the leaders. These are the Nasiim. In other words, leadership in the first section is about the military effort. Leadership in the second section is about the effort to settle the land. There are all sorts of ways in which we could further develop this idea. Again, in a half an hour sheer, I'm not sure if I can fully develop this idea. Certainly, if you sit down and you compare the two sections, I think what emerges very, very clearly from that kind of comparison is that the first section, the first generation, is focused, is meant to be focused on the military effort, while the second generation is meant to be focused on the effort to settle the land. Um, in the first section, we have the mitzvah to make the chatzotzrot, the mitzvah to make the trumpets, which again are part of the war effort. The first section even ends with a feeling that Am Yisrael is being encouraged to go into battle and to trust God in going to battle because the first section ends with this image, this very famous image of the Aron Hashem of the Ark of God going before them. Kuma Hashem viafutsu oivecha vianusu misanecha mipanecha, right? Um, where Moshe calls to the Aaron or calls to Hashem and says, Get up and scatter the enemies, let them run away. In other words, the culmination of this section where they are marching into Eretz Israel is a call to Hashem to assist them in their military endeavors. This is simply not true in the third section. The third section deals... Well, first of all, I think that it's important to note that Am Yisrael is completely, um, uh, completely not worried about Kibush Haaretz. They're completely not worried about anything military. If you look at all the wars that take place in this last section of Sefer B'midbar, dealing with the um, dealing with the the second generation, what do they keep saying? Uh, you know, the Sichon Melech Amori Amori comes to fight with them, and so they go fight. The Kananim come to fight with them, and they fight. No one seems to be particularly moved by the experience of fighting, and in fact, Amitzel seems very confident in this arena. If you read through Perak Kaf Aleph, I mean, the very beginning of Perakav Aleph is that Am Yisrael are um, uh, attacked by the Kna'anim who take captives from them and Am Yisrael immediately turns and makes a neder to Hashem and says you know if you, if you help me a little bit um, then you know then, then I'll give you v'hacharamti et arehem I will uh, make, make their cities um, uh, hectish right? I'll, 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 I'll uh, give you all of the spoils of the cities so Am Yisrael doesn't seem to be particularly afraid of conquest um, and instead really what they're focused 
Pakistan are all sorts of Nakhla issues. So, for example, we have the story of Binot Slavchad, right, uh, which is this week's parsha, right? We have the story of them saying, uh, we need a Nakhla also. And we have the story of Ruven Gad and Chatsi Shevet Menashe, right? The story of the Transjordanian tribes who are looking for their own ideal Nakhla. And so what we really have emerging here from this rather brief comparison is that the first generation is focused completely or almost totally on military preparation for entrance into the land, while the second generation is pretty focused on um, preparation for Nahla of the land. And this is reflected in the different countings, in the different sensei. We count in Perak Aleph for military purposes, and we count in Perak Avav for Nahla purposes. Well, I think that the, um, the, uh, this idea points to the failure of the first generation and the success and the potential failure of the second generation. The problem of the first generation is that they know that they are militarily inferior. And in fact, they are militarily inferior. They're not um, a nation of experienced military men. They're a nation of slaves. They're a nation that is not organized to go and conquer a land, certainly not a land which has giants, certainly not a land which has um, uh, very experienced military people settled there. Um, And so the only recourse is for them to trust in God's might. The only recourse is for them to overcome the psychological hurdle of being afraid to enter the land because they are afraid that they are going to be killed there. And so all of this section builds up their, or is intended to build up their confidence in the military arena, both by preparing them actually um, practically, by organizing them, and by giving them the sense that God is there to help them militarily. So we have the Chatzot which call on God, and we have Moshe's uh, great uh, uh, request of God, Kuma Hashem Vecha, right? And we have this sense that Am Yisrael is meant to gather together their strength in order to be able to overcome the psychological hurdle of being afraid to enter the land. Now, of course, ultimately, they cannot do it, and that's, in fact, where they fail. What is the sin of the spies? The spies say, we can't conquer that land. There's no way we can conquer that land. Of course, Kalev Kalev Benifune totally disagrees. He says, of course we can conquer the land. We have God on our side. God can do it, but the people are not willing to experience total dependence on God. they, They don't know how to be totally dependent on God. And this is reflected in all of the different sins that they do in Sefer Bamidbar. Um, you know, they also don't want to depend on God for the man. They certainly don't have the, uh, the, the tools to depend on God that he is going to save them militarily, that he is going to facilitate the kibush of the land despite their obvious military inferiority. And this ultimately disqualifies them from entrance because if they can't feel the total dependence on God that God requires from them, they will inevitably fail in their efforts to live in Eretz Israel because Eretz Israel requires 
a sense of dependence on God. It is a land where Hashem Doresh Tamid. It is a land where God is always uh, watching it, and only with a sense of utter dependence can Am Yisrael be successful at all in their efforts to live in the land of Israel. And so the first generation is deemed unsuitable because they simply cannot depend on God enough in order to uh, gather together their strength and go and um, and conquer the land. The second generation doesn't have that problem at all. They have been living in the desert. They, they were born and bred in the desert where they were utterly, totally, and completely dependent on God for 40 years, for everything, for food, for water, for, for uh, military um, uh, success. And for them, it's, it's a cinch to depend on God because that's the very nature of their existence. So we don't have to prepare the second generation militarily because militarily they are entirely prepared. Um, this second generation um, has a problem with has a problem with kibush. The second generation, I'm sorry, the second generation has a problem with nachla. Um, the second generation doesn't have a problem with dependence. Rather, the second generation has a problem with independence. This generation has been living in the desert for 40 years, and it's not a problem for them to depend on God. When the military situation arises, they're completely willing to, um, to, to, uh, to, to depend that God is going to save them. In fact, this is what he's been doing for them for 40 years. The problem that they have is independence. It's cutting those apron strings and saying, I am now going to separate from the Aron to leave the place of the Mishkan to go out and strike um, uh, roots in the land, to go out and, and build my house and plant my fields and develop an independent kind of, of, of relationship with God that is separate and distinct from the one that I knew in the Midbar in which God was always directly available, always directly there, always, um, uh, I was always able to depend on, on them. And so their challenge is not kibush, it's nachla. And therefore, the second generation, this final section of Sefer Bavidbar, is completely focused on nachla, on preparing the people for not dependence, but rather independence. Now, as a final note, it is worthy to note that Sefer Yahushua, which of course is the continuation of the story of this second generation, who does enter the land of Israel, because of course they have the ability to live in the land of Israel, because they are they have the, the tools to feel themselves dependent on God sufficiently um, uh, so that they can actually live in the land of Israel. But, um, but of course, if we look at Sefer Yahushua, we see that while, the, in fact, the conquest of the land goes rather smoothly with almost no hitches, aside from the story of Achan and perhaps the story of the Givonim in Paraktet, the second half of Sefer Yahushua is far less successful 
the first half of Sefer Yosho, which talks about the military conquest of the land, is utterly successful. This generation has no problem depending on God that he is going to save them. The second generation dealing with the Nachla, with people separating, leaving the Aron, leaving the Mishkan, leaving Yehoshua's leadership, and going off on their own, and 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 uh, and and you know f- finding some sort of independent relationship with God. That is far less successful. If you look at Yehoshua Perak Yudchet, you'll see how unsuccessful, in fact, it is. And that, of course, is the problem that leads us into the terrible period of the Shoftim, when the people are simply not successful once they go off on their own and they leave the um, the the and they leave the sort of protective influence of the the Aron and the Mishkan and the direct relationship with God. And so here I think we see in Sefer Bamidbar how central these um, countings are. Certainly they to some extent define for us the very nature of the two different generations, what it is that are their weaknesses or what are their weaknesses, what are their strengths, and um, by by examining them carefully, I think we get a sense of the failure of the first generation as opposed to the success, but also the failure of the second generation. I wish you all a Shabbat Shalom. You've been listening to Yael Ziegler on Parshat Pinchas. Today's Midrash, the, after the compliment to Pinchas, Kosh tells Moshe Rabbeinu to attack Midian. The success, Tzoror et Midianim ki Tzororim heim lachem. The simple pshat of the Pasuk would indicate that you should attack the Midianim, the nation of Midian, because of what they did in the past, because they attacked you in the past. But the language of the Pasuk is ki Tzororim heim, it's in present. They are continually uh, attacking, bothering, uh, being, your, being your enemy. The Midrash comments, uh, Lama, why should you attack Midian? Ki Tzororim heim. Because they are attacking you. Mikan amru chachamim hashkem This is, from here they said, this is the source for the famous expression of Chazal. He who comes to kill you, you should get up early, you should precede and kill and kill him. It's the principle of self-defense, but in the language of Chazal, it's hashkem v'hogel. You don't have to wait for someone to attack you and then kill him in the act. If you know that someone is endangering your life, uh, is your enemy, so you should hashkem v'hogel, you should preempt his attack, and you may and you may kill him. So this is learned from this pasuk, and apparently because it says ki tzorerim hem, you're not. This is not revenge, even though the pasuk later on says nekom et nikmat Hashem eh, amidyanim. It is the language of revenge is used in the pasuk, but here it says the reason why you should actually go and kill them is because they are a continual and hence future danger to uh, to the Jews. The Midrash continues. Rabbi Shimon Omer minayin shamachti et adam yoter min haogo. From where do we know that causing one to sin, someone who attempts to subvert the, the ethics, the morals, the proper behavior of a person, is worse than he who tries to kill him? If he kills you, then you lose this world, but you still have a portion in the next world. But causing you to sin, someone who leads you astray, someone who, 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 who subverts and perverts your life, has destroyed your portion in this world and in the next world. And the proof is from the following. We find two nations attacked, came out to attack the Jews with the sword, and two 
through, through sin, by causing them to sin. Hamitzrim vaEdomim kidmu bacherev, Mitzrayim and Edom use the sword. As it says, this first pasuk is from Shirat Hayam. Amar Hoyev Edof Asig Arik Chavi, Achalek Shalal Arik Chavi. So concerning Mitzrayim, the pasuk in the Shiva says that they used they used the sword. Of course, they, they wanted to kill. They, they were chasing the Jews at Yam Suf in order to kill them. And similarly, by Edom it says, by Yom Ha'ilav Edom, lo tavorbi pen bacherev etzei likratecha. And Edom also refused, in last week's parasha, refused the Jews' permission to cross the land, pen bacherev etzei likratecha, lest I come out against you with a sword. V'shtayim b'avera, and two nations uh, threatened, attempted to attack the Jews through sin, mo'avim v'amonim. Those who use the sword, there's a special prohibition in the Torah, in Sefer Dvarim, that it is forbidden to hate, to despise Edom, and similarly Mitzrayim. But those who attack the Jews through sin, that is, Amon and Moab, causing the Jews to sin, it says, There's a special prohibition that their descendants may not marry into the Jewish people forever without any uh, they're, 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 they're detested in such a manner that they've been completely removed from, uh, from Am Yisrael the Midrash hence uh, draws this comparison between physical endangerment and spiritual moral endangerment to the detriment of the second both explaining why the obvious reason and uh, a halachic uh, nafkamina concerning our relationship with the different nations, those who are our mortal enemies, nonetheless, lotetaev, being merely mortal enemies, merely mortal enemies, merely endangering one's physical uh, uh, existence, is perhaps understandable within the politics of the world, but those who attempted to attack and destroy the spiritual basis of Anusah are completely beyond the pale for all generations and for all history, the, hist- the historical memory of the Jews of what took place in Amon uh, uh, 3,000 years ago is a would be a live halacha were these nations still in existence would be a live halacha even today that's it for today you've been listening to KMTT the Torah podcast this is Ezra Bick wishing you a call too we'll be back tomorrow with the Erev Shabbat program and until then Bibakata Torah Mitzion this has been KMTT Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim Kol Tov